everyone. This is Yvette Hampton. Welcome back to the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. I'm so glad you're back with me today. I'm back with Abby and Ray Comfort. If you guys missed Monday's episode, go back and listen because it's so good. And we are talking this week about evangelism. And there's nothing else better to talk about than Jesus and the gospel. So this is basically the best podcast to be listening to right now because that's what we're talking about. Well, you could be doing better things like reading your Bible and actually really digging into scripture, that would be better than listening to the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. But if you're going to listen to podcasts, this is a great one because we are talking with um, a man who God has just blessed with the gift of evangelism. And we're so excited to have him back with us today. So we're going to jump back into our conversation. But before we do, I want to thank our sponsor again, CTC Math. If you guys are looking for a great online math program, go to ctcmath.com. You can try them out for free. If you guys are not loving the math program that you're with right now and your kids are struggling and you're struggling and there's tears and you don't know what to do, take a break, take a breath, go online, go to ctcmath.com, try it out for free, see if your kids like it. I think that they will and run with that because it's a great curriculum. So ctcmath.com. Abby, welcome back. I'm so glad to hey, have you back. Thanks. I I, I want to say that I'm here for you, but I'm truly just here because Ray's here today. I know. <laughs> I know you sorry, are. Sorry, friend. But when you said Ray Comfort was going to be on, I'm like, I want to sit at this man's feet. I know. Um, because so the kids and I were just this week um, doing the the armor of God. And when we got to the shoes, right, the shoes yeah. to, to go out and spread the gospel of peace, I'm like, freeze. We're going to go watch some YouTube videos <laughs> of Ray Comfort because this man's got his shoes on. Yeah. Um, and he's out there and he's spreading the word and he's sharing the gospel. And um, I really think, honestly, for homeschool moms, one of the best ways that we can teach our kids to share the gospel, well, one, we have to light that fire in them. The Holy Spirit has to get a hold of them, and they have to know and love the truth as we do in order to share it. But then I think just sitting down and watching Ray do what God has gifted him to do um, and just learning to have— because honestly, it's scary, right? Sometimes it's scary to go out there and share with people because— we're fearful that we're not going to have the right words. We're fearful yeah. that we're going to get shut down. And when we watch you, we're like, the guy does get shut down sometimes, but that doesn't matter because he's being obedient to God. But what I love about watching you with the kids is you have answers for everything. And it's because your answers come from the word of God. So I want to know, Ray Comfort, when you're out there, do you ever get nervous? All the time. <laughs> yeah, I get discouraged. I get discouraged. I get nervous. But it's like being a firefighter. If you're a firefighter and you show up to a fire and you see a mother and her two kids on the fifth story screaming for help, flames leaping around them, you're going to be terrified. But you don't go home. Mm, you yeah. get that ladder and you get up and you rescue her. And the Bible says others having compassion, pulling them from the fire, hating even and spotted by the flesh. So a firefighter stays because he's a firefighter. He ignores his fears. He ignores his nervousness. You know, one of my motivations is just what Jesus did for me on the cross. That's mm -hmm. it's the fire of gratitude. It's the it's the fuel, the high octane fuel of gratitude that causes me to put my foot down and and move for the kingdom. Let me tell you about something I do, and it's going to make me sound like an idiot to those of you who don't love dogs. If you love a dog, if you're a dog lover, you can identify with this. If you're not, you say the guy's yeah. You're talking to one dog lover and one not dog lover. Okay. <laughs> but well, continue on. But, um, yeah, I talk to my dog. He talks to me. And you say, what, are you weird? Well, he tells me when there's someone at the door. He tells me when there's a cat. tells me he wants to eat. He speaks a different language. He speaks bark. I speak English. But one thing I love doing, and this is where it's going to get weird, as we've got a great big sheepskin rug. I lie on the rug, and when I lie on the rug, he immediately comes around because he knows what's going to happen. 
He comes next to me, his tail is wagging like you wouldn't believe, and he lies down beside me. I grab him by the ears, I pull him close to me, and we go eye to eye, and I begin to talk with him. And he just absolutely loves it. And I say, he, I say, Sam, we went on the bike today. And when I say bike, I see him processing the information in his eyes. I say, you saw a cat, didn't you? And I say cat, immediately I see in his eyes, he's, he's talking cats in his eyes. And he just loves it because I come down to his level and we have this eye-to-eye contact. Well, God came down eye-to-eye with us in Christ. And if that doesn't make your tail wag, I don't know what's wrong with you. (laughs) The incarnation is the most exciting thing that Almighty God became a human being to speak to us and to go eye-to-eye with us and show us how much he loves us. And then he's commissioned us to take the gospel to every creature. So it should be an overflow. My cup runs over. I want to share the gospel of the unsaved. Let me share something that has dealt with my fears better than anything else, and it's just really weird because of what happens on the YouTube channel. I am like a parrot. Almost all our YouTube (laughs) witnessing clips are pretty similar. I say to people, do you think there's an afterlife? Almost always start with that. Literally Mm -hmm. hundreds of times, one after the other, do you think there's an afterlife? That's where I begin. And in the comments, people will say, I'm scared. I don't know what to say. How do I start? And I say, well, what I do is I say, do you think there's an afterlife? It's very, very simple. That question has helped me deal with my fears. It's taken Goliath down to Zacchaeus in an instant mm-hmm. because I just asked a person a question. Do you think there's an afterlife? I didn't mention God, Jesus, heaven, hell, the Bible, sin, righteousness, judgment, holiness, all these things that make them and me feel uncomfortable. I've just asked for his opinion. Do you think there's an afterlife? So this is how I begin with a complete stranger. I'm not at the college, I'm just at the at the gas station. There's a guy standing there, and I say, hi, how you doing? He says, good. I say, I'm Ray. What's your name? He says, Fred. I say, Fred, got a question for you. He says, what? I say, do you think there's an afterlife? See, I believe in relationship evangelism. I believe in building a relationship, not for two years, but for two minutes yeah. or even half a minute. This really works. And the reason I don't wait two years with a relationship evangelism is that Fred could die tonight. So there's a sense of urgency. Now, Fred immediately responds, and this happens hundreds of times with something like this. I don't know. I said, do you think about it? He says, all the time. His all the time dissipates my fears. Suddenly I realize Fred's not the Antichrist. He hasn't stabbed me in the throat with a (laughs) knife. He's a human being with a will to live, and he wants to find an answer to death. I said, well, do you believe in God? And he says, yeah, yeah. Do you think there's a heaven? Yeah, could be. Are you going there? Oh, I hope so. So, well, let's find out, Fred. Do you think you're a good person? He says, yeah, I'm a really good person. The Bible says every man will proclaim his own goodness. So I said, well, let's look at the Ten Commandments, see how you're going to do on Judgment Day. How many lies have you told in your life? And he says, oh, multitudes. Ever stolen something? Yeah, in the past. Say, so, have you ever used God's name in vain? Yeah, it's a bad habit. So, Fred, you've used God's holy name as a cuss word. That's terribly serious. One to go, Jesus said, if you look with lust, you commit adultery in your heart. Ever done that? It's all the time. Say, Fred, I'm not judging you. You've just told me you're a lying, thieving, blasphemous, adulterate heart. You've got to face God on judgment day. What are you going to do? You die in your sins. The Bible says you'll end up in hell. What can you do? He says, well, I don't know. What should I do? So here comes the gospel, the good news of the gospel. Christ died for our sins. He took the punishment for the law that we broke. 
You just need to repent and trust in him, and God will grant you everlasting life. That's the gospel in a nutshell. And so you go over it and over it in your mind. You look in the mirror and witness to yourself. You preach in the shower. When you're driving your car, you give these thoughts, and you think about these things so that you become proficient. It's like, you know, you said I was gifted, and and thank you for that, but it really isn't a gifting. Um, it's like saying to a marathon runner who's just broke the tape, 28 miles, just broke the tape, and you run up to him and say, whoa, whoa, whoa you are gifted. He's going to turn around at, and with indignant and indignantly say to you, what do you mean gifted? I have run 30 to 40 miles for years every week. I haven't eaten chocolate cake for years. I've denied <laughs> myself. I've fallen over. I've bruised my knees. I've had sweat and pain and suffering to get here. It's been hard work. And exactly the same applies with the gospel. You look at me and say, man, you break the tape. You are so gifted. You're so proficient. No, it's been many years of sweat and suffering. I've put my foot in my mouth. I've bruised my knee. I've fallen over. I've offended people. I've done things wrong. But I've got up again and I've learned. That's good news because it means you can do exactly the same thing. Just start running. Mm. Just start doing it. Biggest way you'll grow is just say to someone, say some stranger, how are you doing? My name's so-and-so. Do you think there's an afterlife? And let them talk for a minute and then answer their questions and share the gospel. And you'll grow just like swimming. You don't swim by standing on the side of the pool. You have to jump in. Same with the gospel. Oh, that is so good. That is so, so good. good. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. What we do at IEW is break through the, the noise of the grammar and the writing prompts. And we say, this is what you do step by step. And I've witnessed it over and over again, both watching Andrew teach and hearing from parents, this is the best writing program. We've made it so easy and made it really affordable. So any mom can teach writing to their children using our course, and we guarantee it. To try three weeks of free lessons, visit IEW.com. Apologia supports homeschool families with Christ-centered K-12 homeschool curriculum designed to engage your student as they experience the awe and wonder of creation and their creator. Designed by leading scholars with a biblical worldview, Apologia's award-winning curriculum is written in a conversational tone directly to the student to encourage independence. Hands-on activities and experiments help students solidify the concepts they're exploring and build a lifelong love of learning. Visit us at Apologia.com. We are back with Ray. Um, Ray, so you're talking about going out and sharing with people and how you have, you know, you've done this hundreds of times. I mean, I, I, I would, it seems like thousands of times, but I don't know. I mean, they're just, I I've seen so many videos of you doing this and I know you've done it far more than the videos that I've seen. Um, do you remember the very first time you went out and just walked up to a stranger on the street and talked to him about Jesus? Yeah, I was a brand new Christian. Um, I just gave out tracts. I went to the mm -hmm. local shops, stores, people going past, I remember giving out tracts. And then I, got invited to a university, and I had to speak, which terrified me, but I shared the gospel. Um, when I opened their preach for the first time, I, was, I wasn't scared. I wasn't fearful. I was mortified. That's mort can, contains death. I was just about dead with fear. But I did it, and the next time I did it, I did it again, then I kind of get used to it, and then, got learned, then I learned to control my fears. And that's what happens. As you do this a lot, you learn to control your fears. It's like anything else. 
when you're a little toddler, you learn to crawl. You didn't want to lie on your back for the rest of your life. You don't remember it, but God put an instinct in you to roll over and crawl. Then you stood to your feet, fell over a dozen times, bruised yourself, but you learned to walk. Then you learned to ride a bike because you wanted to. You fell off a couple of times, but you did it because you wanted to. And then when you wanted to drive a car, you applied yourself to it until it became something natural. Exactly the same applies with evangelism. Study to show yourself approved. Mm-hmm. You know, one great key to being a Christian, if I can touch on it here, I've spoken sure. to quite a few homeschool conferences, spoken one with 3,000 people. That was uh, six families. It's like a joke. <laughs> um, <laughs> so funny. Anyway, it's uh, it's so neat. You can tell it's homeschool kids, they're always, <laughs> they're always so polite and so so nice and, and that. But um, I've totally forgotten what I was going to talk about. Oh, yes, reading the word daily. That's been a key in my life. About uh, when I first started itinerating, I began to ask churches, do you read the Bible every day? And I use these words, without fail. And I only found about 5% did. And so I began challenging Christians to read the word daily without fail. No breakfast, no read, no feed. And when I meet a Christian, when I'm out on my bike and I got to talk to him and I find out he's a Christian. I said, you read the Bible every day without fail. And this is what they'll often say. I try to. So I say, oh, do you try to eat your food? No, you don't try to. You just do because you prioritize it. And you don't try and read your Bible. You just do because it's God's love letter to you. No Bible, no breakfast, no read, no feed. And if you do that, Scriptures tell us in Psalm 1, you'll be as a tree planted by rivers of water. You'll bring forth fruit in season. Your leaf won't wither, and whatever you do will prosper in the biblical sense because you meditate on the law of God both day and night. So I've been reading the Bible every day for over 50 years without fail. I thought every Christian did that. I thought every Christian was like Job, who esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. So do that, and you'll never be the same. Amen. God's word does not return void. Do you want to encourage independent learning in your students? Do you have multiple students with individual learning styles? Homeschooling is an excellent opportunity to customize your child's education. BJU Press is here to help. For each academic subject, BJU Press has created video lessons that will lead your child through each of their courses. Your child will experience thorough lesson content administered by experienced and engaging teachers who will walk your child through the assignments so they know what to expect. Visit their website at bjupresshomeschool.com to see what courses are available for your student. Let me ask you another question. Um, So when you, when you go out, you go out and you evangelize usually, and and you gave us an example of what it would look like for you to meet up with a guy at a gas station and ask him, does he think about, you know, eternal life or does he believe in eternal life? And you, you evangelize a lot to strangers, mostly to strangers from what, what I can see. Talk with us about what it looks like to evangelize to people who are our close friends and family, because I know for myself, um, that seems to be the most difficult, which is ridiculous because those are the people who are closest to us, who we love the most, who we want most of all to be saved. But it seems that that is often the hardest group of people to evangelize to are the people that, you know, we, we do our homeschool co-ops with the people that we have Thanksgiving and Christmas dinner with. And, um, so how do you, do you evangelize differently to those who are close to you than you do to those who are strangers? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. you got to show them your faith by your works. Mm-hmm. Um, let me share a, um, a truth with you that's, uh, that's helped me understand why it's so fearful to talk to a loved one. 
I've got a sister. She's not a Christian. I love her very much. But I'd rather talk to a thousand angry, machete-welding atheists than witness to my sister. You say, what, is she a monster? No, she's not. But if those atheists get angry at me and tell me to leave, Mm -hmm. I've lost nothing. Mm -hmm. If my sister does that to me, I've lost everything. Mm -hmm. So that molehill becomes a mountain in my mind. And so all I can do is buy her gifts when it's not Christmas, buy her gifts when it's not Christmas. I love her. I care about you and show kindness to her so that she'll see my faith by my works. And in the meanwhile, I witnessed other people's sisters and hope that God brings someone to witness my sister. Yeah, oh, that I love is that. so good. I, I think, too, I, I have a brother that's in the same position, and I feel like um, I say to myself, well, the risk is greater to witness to him, like you said, because if he stops talking to me, I've lost my brother. But then I stop and I think, but at the same time, the risk is greater if I don't, because that's my brother. And right. I mean, that that's my brother who I don't get to spend eternity with. And so I think we have to sometimes shift the view from ourselves and what we could lose if we witness and someone doesn't like it versus what they could lose if we don't do it. And and that's a hard shift to do. But ultimately, it's the same sacrifice Christ gave, right? He gave of himself for the salvation of others. So the thing that really is striking me, what you're saying is, and I think that we really need to instill this in our kids is in order to share it, you have to know it. And that's why you're in the word every single day. Mm -hmm. And that's why you're living it every single day. And so for, for us as parents, you know, I had this big lofty question to ask you today of like, how do we instill in our children? Like, how do we teach them to evangelize? And you've, you've already answered it without me asking it is just, I would say, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, teach them the word, be in the word with them constantly, um, light that fire of Christ's love inside of them. And then naturally we want to share and then practice, practice, practice. I love that you're telling us to practice. There's also something else that I'd mention, and that is as a nation, we've lost the fear of the Lord. Hmm. Back in the 1950s, America was considered to be a God-fearing nation. Generally speaking, people respected the Ten Commandments. You didn't murder people, you didn't commit adultery, you didn't lie, you didn't steal or blaspheme. There was this natural, even though it was often just just the uh, lip, lips, not the heart. And there was a fear of God, and people would listen to Billy Graham and literally millions because there was this fear of God. But we've lost that completely. Mm-hmm. And so what we have to do is instill the fear of the Lord back into people. And it's such a powerful thing. And it's such a, an important part of training up your children, uh, teaching them the commandments, because that's what brings the fear of the Lord, Deuteronomy chapter 6, when you lie down with them, when you sit with them, you walk with them, it speaks of teaching them the commandments. Mm-hmm. So they'll have a knowledge of right and wrong when the hormones kick in. But let me share with you an amazing <laughs> but very powerful uh, experience I had when it came to the fear of the Lord. I was 16. It was six years before I became a Christian. I found myself in long grass at night with a gorgeous 16-year-old female. Uh, I was behind a dance. We found ourselves, I don't even know how we got out there. We're lying in the grass and my my intentions were not honorable. But as we lay there, she said something to me that absolutely mortified me. I put the fear of God in me and I wasn't even a Christian. She just said five words. She says, you know what? God is watching us. (laughs) I thought, what? God is watching us? It was like a bucket of ice water came from the heavens. And I said, well, let's go back into the dance. And I look back. The fear of God, even as a non-Christian, caused me to depart from evil, as the Bible says. That's what the fear of God does. Caused me to depart from evil. I could have made a terrible mistake, got a girl pregnant, instigated an abortion, brought shame. In those days, it brought shame 
upon a family. And so I look back and I say, thank you, Lord, for the fear of God. And that's what this nation needs. Through the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. And so what I try and do is instill the fear of God in the people I'm witnessing to. And I explain it to them like this. So if you're going to jump out of a plane, why would you put on a parachute at 10,000 feet? They say, well, because I don't want to die. And I say, your motivation is fear. And they say, yes, it is. It's fear. And I say, in that respect, fear is your friend, not your enemy, because it's doing you a favor. It's making you put on a parachute. And I say to them, because I love you, I've tried to put the fear of God in you. I've tried to make you sweat. I've tried to make you scared, hoping you'll see that fear is your friend, not your enemy. Because the Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And if you don't fear God, you haven't begun to get wise. And when I speak of the fear of God, I'm not speaking about a a reverence. That's part of it. But there's something deeper here. And let me explain. Do we have time for me to share this? Sure. Yeah. Jesus said, fear not him who has power to kill your body and afterwards do no more. But fear him who has power to kill your body and cast your soul into hell. Fear him. Now think of what Jesus just said. Yeah. We take it for kind of granted that you're saying, you know, fear God. But he was saying this. Someone comes up to you to stab you through the chest with a sharp knife. You shouldn't be fearful. Don't fear someone who can do that. He said, no, fear him who has power to kill your body and cast your soul into hell. In other words, he's saying the scenario of someone coming up to kill you is nothing compared to falling into the hands of the living God. That's fear. That's more than a reverential fear. I'm from New Zealand, and when I was brought up in New Zealand, the police didn't have guns. They had sticks. If someone was naughty, they'd hit them with a stick. Britain did the same thing, same with Australia. It was called a baton or a baton. Now they've got guns because things have changed, because criminals have got guns. When I came across to the U.S. in 1987, I think it was, I was in Hawaii on the beach preaching to the poor bathers at Waikiki who were lying in the sand. I was very respectful. And... I was standing on a trash bin uh, in Waikiki and a police officer approached me. And the first thing I thought when I saw him was, he's got a gun. That's my mentality. And I've been approached by the police well over a dozen times when I've been open air preaching. And every time as the officer approaches me, I say to myself, he's got a gun. Mm -hmm. He could kill me. If I get my hand in my pocket real quick and move too quickly, He could justly kill me because he thought his life was in danger and he wanted to get home to his family that night. So I say, yes, sir, no, sir, three bags full, sir, anything you want. You want me to move? I will move, no problem. And I show respect, and I've never got in trouble with the police because I've shown that respect. But that fear that I have of the police officers is more than a reverence for him. It's a fear of what he can do to me. And Jesus was using the same analogy. Fear not him who has power to kill your body, but fear him who has power to kill your body and cast your soul into hell. That sort of fear keeps my eyes from pornography. That sort of fear keeps my eyes from looking at anything I know I shouldn't look at or my tongue from saying things I shouldn't say because the fear of the Lord causes me to depart from sin. That fear is your friend, not your enemy, and it should be cultivated in the, in the children so that they, as David said, tremble for fear of you. Tremble for fear of you. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And the reason we need that is because our heart is so desperately wicked. Our eyes are full of adultery. We drink iniquity like water. We love the darkness. We hate the light. And that fear of God is the most wholesome and healthy thing for the Christian to develop 
because it'll keep him from evil and make sure he's saved on the day of wrath. Amen. Wow. So powerful. Um, we have more to talk about, but we are out of time today. So we're going to come back tomorrow. We're going to continue this conversation with Ray Comfort. This is so good, so encouraging to me. I hope that you guys are being blessed and encouraged by this conversation as well. If you've not yet seen the movie, um, Ray's bestie, apparently Ken Ham, <laughs> he was telling us that he and Ken Ham, they goof around and they send each other goofy text messages throughout the day. They banned her back going and on forth. For, uh, for years, <laughs> Ken Ham every day sends me insulting texts because he doesn't know how to share love. That's his way of sharing love. Because he's in Australia, he doesn't know how to do it. But so I, I, I said to him, stop texting me, you're interrupting this program. And I told him what it was called. He said, that's nothing. I've been on that program 250 times. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, funny. Oh, to be able to listen to you two banter. Oh, my goodness. Accent, I know. It would be a great Wouldn't fun. Maybe we'll just do the, the Ken Sham, the, the Ken the Ham, right? <laughs> Yes, yeah, sorry. No, sham is good. Stay no, with no. I was hoping you would. I was hoping you wouldn't catch that, Ray. The Ken Ham Ray Comfort Show. I think that would bring a, a whole new audience. I, I agree. I agree. I think it's been worth. Yeah. Like, we could put out a volume of books just with insulting texts. Oh my word! That is so funny. You're such a crackup. Uh, so well, well, Ken Ham is in the movie Schoolhouse Rock to the Homeschool Revolution. If you guys have not yet seen it, go to our website, schoolhouserocked.com. Share it with your friends, share it with your family and share this podcast with your friends and family. You know that there are people who need to hear this and who will be encouraged by it. So please just hit that share button, um, hit the like button if you're watching it on video. And thank you guys so much for spending time with us today. Thank you, Ray, for your time today. And uh, we will be back with you guys tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day. See you then. Bye. This week, the Schoolhouse Rocked team is taking some time to work on developing some new and exciting projects. Over the past six years, you, the Christian homeschool community, have provided generous support to the Schoolhouse Rocked ministry, and it's had an enormous impact for the kingdom of God. Recently, we've spent some time taking inventory of what's been accomplished in this time because of your generous support. As you know, Schoolhouse Rocked, The Homeschool Revolution, the feature-length documentary, was released in November and is now available on DVD and streaming. We've had the privilege of showing the movie at conferences, churches, theaters, and homeschool events. And we've been blessed to hear the testimonies of how God is using it to impact families around the world. The Schoolhouse Rocked podcast is in its fifth season with over 485 episodes and well over a million downloads and video views so far. We also launched the Homeschool Insights podcast this year. This daily podcast provides biblical homeschool encouragement in under 10 minutes for moms on the move. And to date, we've published over 130 episodes. We also offer the free Homeschool Survival Kit, a 70-page resource to assist and encourage homeschooling families. And we continue to offer access to the Homegrown Generation Family Expo. Now, we are in the early stages of work on a new movie, and we need your help. While we can't give many details yet, we expect this new film to have a huge impact in our culture. But projects like this simply can't be done without massive support from the community. So we're asking you to join in this important work. Visit schoolhouserocked.com support and make a one-time or monthly donation that will change lives and hearts for eternity. 
That's schoolhouserocked.com slash support.